Uh, this morning we're going to start a series of, of, of uh, sermons. Uh, it's the Hymn History series. We're going to be talking about victory in Jesus this morning. I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about what is real victory this morning out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as Pastor read just a little, a few minutes ago. Uh, a pastor once told me, a preacher once told me uh, 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 a number of years ago that any time you have an op- opportunity to share Jesus Christ or preach, to take it every single time, no matter what it is, whether it's across the street or across the world. Uh, and this morning, I'm just thankful to be able to uh, share with you this morning. Um, I turned 40 this morning. Amen. Thank you. I, if I remember right, I think it's like 734 in the morning. Does anybody else remember the exact time? Some of you? I'm probably wrong, but I think it might be 7.34 a.m., but it was Alaska time. So it doesn't, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm going into my, I'm 40 today, and and the beginning of the week I was talking to my wife about uh, turning 40, and and it wasn't so bad, and I thought, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good, no, nothing going on, and, 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 you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to go into 40 strong, this going to be great. Wednesday morning I woke up and my jaw was hurting right here, and I thought, okay. You know, God has a sense of humor, uh, and, and I finally, you know, I just went to urgent care on Friday morning, and they said, hey, here, take this, it's going to alleviate the pain, it'll be fine. But I just thought, you know what, that's, that's funny, I'm going into 40, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be great, you know, this is wonderful, and my jaw, of all things, just your jaw, it's, it's been interesting, but uh, uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, I wanted to start t- today by asking a question, uh, talking about hymns and the history of hymns, uh, talking about music. And the question is this, what has God left us, musically speaking? What has God left us, musically speaking? The answer is lyrics. We've got about 185 of them, 185 different sets of lyrics, different songs. They're contained mostly in the book of Psalms. They're also in Song of Solomon and Lamentations, uh, in, in Exodus and Judges, and a number of different places in the Bible. But uh, uh, God has left us lyrics. He's left us really the most important part. Lyrics are important. Lyrics are important because God left them to us. That's kind of circular reasoning, but if you think about if God has left you something, if God has left us something, it's important, okay? And he has left us these lyrics, he's left us these song lyrics. He could have left us scores and scores of sheet music and orchestrations and instrumentation and things like that. He could have, but he didn't. He left us the lyrics. He left us the lyrics. Number two, the lyrics are important because they are the part of the music that tells the story, that's important. We want to know what the story is. We want to know what the composer, what the lyricist is trying to communicate to us. Uh, and, and so it's the part of the music that shares the story. You have the melody and the harmony and the rhythm and the meter and things like that. But he left us the lyrics. The lyrics tell us what the story is. The lyrics are also sometimes the part of the music that we care least about. What happens? We sing through a song or we hear a song uh, in church or some other place and we get to the end, the end of the song and five minutes later we say, hey, what, what, what was that song? What? I forget all about it. Or, you know, maybe you didn't understand it in the first place, but you just, you just kind of glazed right over it. We sang a couple of songs this morning. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I love that song. It's amazing. Uh, but do we remember, do we understand what's going on in, in these song lyrics? There's actually a term for this. The term for this is mondegreens. It's a weird word, mondegreens, right there on the screen. Uh, it's a misunderstood or misinterpreted word or phrase resulting from a mishearing of the lyrics of a song. And I would add an apathy to what the song said, really. I, I've got a couple of examples for you. Ready? Here we go. The first one. Oh, say can you see 
by the dawn's early light. Right? Right? Dawn's early. D-O-N-Z-E-R-L-Y? No, no, no. It's dawn's early light. But we sometimes just kind of, kids do that, right? Kids do that. Uh, The second one there, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. That happens, right? The kids, when they learn the ABC song, that middle section, that L, M, N, O, P, that's hard for kids. They should change that. I don't know. But that that is a difficult thing. L, M, N, O, P. Uh, What's another one? Let's see. Uh, Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. How lovely are your brown chairs? It's branches. All right. Let's see, the next one, oh, Susanna, oh, Susanna, oh, don't you cry for me, for I come from Alabama with a Band-Aid on my knee. I did that as a kid. I sang Band-Aid. It's a banjo, all right? It's a banjo. The next one, uh, uh, I don't know what I have next there. Number five, uh, it came upon a midnight clear, that, that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Man, if I heard the word hearts today, I would think, yeah, that's, that's right. But it's not. It's the word harps, harps of gold. And then the last one, our song for the morning, O victory in Jesus. O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him. He punched me to victory. Right? I've heard that before. I mean, I've heard a kid sing that like that. But it's, it's plunged. It, plunged is not a word we use a whole, whole lot today. Punched. It just sounds like punched sometimes. Well, listen, lyrics are important. Without them, the songs are much more difficult to understand and much more difficult to get, gain the meaning from. But, but listen, God's gift of music, really, it helps us in our Christian walk. God's gift of music helps us in our Christian walk. It's for our enjoyment. It's for our edification. It's for our conviction. It's for our strength. It's for our comfort. Uh, there's a man who, who is a professor of, of music. His name is Dr. Russ Shelley. Uh, he teaches at a, at a Christian university. Uh, but he said this. He said, God, in his infinite wisdom, gave us music because he didn't want us to be frustrated with only words. That's an interesting statement. Uh, he, he didn't want, to be, want us to be frustrated with only words. The melody is a great addition to the lyrics. I want to give you a song. We, 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 you've maybe sung this song before. The, the little chorus, He's All I Need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Can you say that with me? If you know it, just, just, we're going to speak it. Don't sing it. Just speak it. Ready? Go. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And then it happens again. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Let's sing it this time, okay? You, you all know the, the song? I'll, you, can, you can watch my hand. I'll, I'll just move uh, like this, and I'll show you where the note is. Ready? Let's sing. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Wow. God in his infinite wisdom gave us music because he didn't want us to be frustrated with just words. You hear the difference right there? We spoke it. We said, said those words, but then we sang it. It was different. God blesses through music. God blesses through music.
Eugene Bartlett realized that the truth of God's blessing of music and the lyrics within them, especially near the end of his life. We're going to ask a question. Who was Eugene M. Bartlett? He lived from 1885 to 1941. He became born again early in his life, and he also became well-versed in music early in his life. He became well-known at singing conventions. He wrote many songs in his lifetime, over 800, over 800 songs. Um, there was at one point in his life he helped a man named, named Albert Brumley get on his feet. He gave him an education. He let him live with him. Uh, and Brumley eventually became the dean of, of Southern Gospel Publishings, and he wrote the song I'll Fly Away, uh, which is pretty neat. Eugene Bartlett did suffer a stroke in 1939. All of his travel was over. In that time, he did increase in his Bible study, uh, and it became very difficult for him to write and to compose. Uh, he, he couldn't speak. Uh, it used to take him just a few hours or a few days to write a piece of music, and now all of a sudden it's taking him weeks or months to get a piece of music on, on the page and, and, and have it written and composed. Um, the last of, it, of his 800 hymns, the last of his, of his 800-plus songs, was the most difficult because of his impairment. Uh, every stroke of the pen was, was very painful, uh, but that last song was Victory in Jesus. Uh, the, la the legacy that he would leave behind is one of, of great hymns of the faith, uh, faithfulness in his own life, and, and godliness as well. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. At this time, I want to take a look at his hymn, the, the, the actual lyrics of Victory in Jesus. I'm just speculating, but a lot of times, you know, you get to the end of something, and many times you reflect over the length of time that you took to do that thing, right? Bart, Bartlett's last song was Victory in Jesus. As we read these words, as we look at these words, we see a picture of the Christian life lived, maybe of his Christian life lived. Uh, the first verse, the man is in the song is, is unsaved and then he is saved. We're just going to sing a cappella, uh, but I would like to sing that first verse is right there on the screen. Just sing that first verse with me, not the second verse or the chorus, just that first verse. Let's sing that together. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. By the way, when you sing a cappella, you get to choose the key, right? So we sing it low. That's good. Um, those first several lines, hey, he was unsaved. He was hearing Christ preached. We see those lines there. And then right there at the end, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. He got saved at the end of that verse. Amen. Okay. Let's look at that second verse. The second verse. Uh, he was hurt and then he was healed. We talk, we talk about salvation in the first verse. The second verse, we talk about, talk about sanctification. Sing that second verse with me. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and he caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. 
And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. We see that he was hurt and then he was healed. We see that sanctification in that second verse. We see the testimony time in those first several lines of, of, of how he heard of his healing, how he heard of the cleansing power that, that Christ had. And then we, we, we see his own prayer, his own prayer. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And then prayer answered Prayer answered in that last line, and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. So we see the salvation, and then we see the sanctification. And then in that last verse, we see glorification. We see longing for eternity. It talks about heaven. Let's sing that last verse. I heard about a mansion. Ready? Sing. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. I know you want to go into the chorus. We can't yet. We can't do that yet. Okay, we're going to get there. These, this verse is great. It goes through. It talks about heaven. It gives you words like mansion and glory and streets of gold and crystal sea. And then he talks about how he heard that old redemption story again there. And then, But what, what does he do at the end? All these things about heaven. But do you remember, do you remember Eugene's life? What happened after that stroke? He couldn't sing. He couldn't speak. What is he longing for in that victory? What is he longing for in heaven? He couldn't sing on earth anymore. But the last, two line, and last line there reflects on what his future held, to be able to sing praise to God once again. That's amazing. But we see there the salvation and then the sanctification and then the glorification. We see that longing for heaven at the end. The chorus is awesome. We're going we're gonna to stop a little bit and, and look at the chorus a little deeper. The, the hymns that we, that we look at, they're, they're so rich in doctrine, uh, but this chorus is, is amazing. Let's, let's take this line, let, let's sing it first, and then we'll go back and look at it line by line. Ready? Let's sing it. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me. With his redeeming blood, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We're going to look at that verse again. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That second phrase, my Savior forever. Luke 2, 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The next line, he sought me and bought me. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost with his redeeming blood. With his redeeming blood, Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He loved me ere I knew him. We know this verse, 1 John four nineteen. We love him because he first loved us. And all my love is due him. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, the greatest commandment, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then we see those, that last line, he plunged me to victory beneath 
the cleansing flood. I want to take just a little bit longer to, to, to talk about that phrase. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. How ironic is it that he talks about going down to victory? He plunged me to victory. He, we're going down to victory? When I think about victory, I think about words like the word build and the word enlarge and the word grow and the word accumulate and the word increase, climb, rise, soar. But he uses the word plunge. Paul says it like this in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. When we are saved, we identify with Jesus Christ's burial, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. You know, the, the picture of baptism the illustration of the death and the burial and resurrection. Baptism is, is identifying with Christ and, and, and showing it's, 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 it's being a witness, really. The, the first witness that you can be is, is to get baptized and, and to go down and, and, and stand in that water. And you're standing here and the water line is here. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ's death on that cross. And then all of a sudden you go under the water. You are submerged under that water. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ's burial. And then you come back up out of that water, and it's a picture of Jesus Christ's resurrection. We are plunged to victory. It's self-effacing. It's to get yourself out of the way. It's to have clean conduit in your life. The Bible says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, in James 4.8. A man named Paul Chappell said, truly the call to spiritual leadership is a paradox. It's a call to descend into greatness. It involves serving and humility. But let's, let's talk about that word victory a little bit more. What does, what does victory look like? What does victory look like? It's different for different people. And honestly, it's different for different age groups. Okay? When, when you're in fourth grade or you know, in elementary school, you think about the word victory. And victory is you know, winning that race at field day. Or uh, maybe in, in, in any grade, in, in grade school, you know, it's getting through and passing that, that test or that, that, that subject that's difficult. That's a victory for you, and that's wonderful, okay? Uh, maybe it's, for, for me, it was, it was beating Mario Brothers 1, all right? I, if, if y'all know, right, some of you, Mario 1 is, is more difficult than 2 and 3. Yeah? All right, some of you? No? Okay. It's, that's a real thing, okay? If you, if you died, you went all the way back to the beginning some of those times, and you know, some cheat codes, but I beat it without cheat codes, all right? We don't need cheat codes in here, all right? But beating, beating that game, okay, that was victory. Maybe you're a teenager, your first car, right? That's victory. Getting accepted to college, that's victory. Waking up without something else hurting, right? That's victory. Um, getting a promotion at work, that's victory. Beating, being financially stable, that's a great thing to be, right? Being financially stable. And then, and then the, another one, really any age, but a lot of times that, in, in some of the older ages, but beating cancer. Beating cancer, that's a victory. You heard last Sunday night my, my testimony, uh, my wife and I's testimony of our, of our children back in 2009, of them being very premature. And victory for us really is, is sitting right over there. She's got blonde hair. That's victory for us, right? She's, she's 10. She's going to be 11 in August. That's victory for us. But I want to talk this morning real quick about what victory in Jesus is. What is real victory? What is real victory in Jesus? And that's where we bring ourselves to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to jump through a number of verses quickly. Uh, and we're going to start back in verse 38. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 38. It says this. It says, But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. 
The Bible is explaining different entities, different bodies. In the next verse, in verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. We jump down to verse 42. It talks a little bit more there, but it says in verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Those are two different entities. Those are two different bodies. They are not the same thing, and there's no crossover between them. They are completely separate. Corruption and incorruption. The Bible says it is sown in dishonor and raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Jump to 47. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are, are they also that are earthly. And is the, as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. In verse 49, as, as, uh, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We, we know of Jesus Christ resurrected and he came back and he was on earth for another 40 days. And, and we saw that he was material and he could eat in Luke 24, 39 to 43. But then also he was not bound by the laws of nature in Luke 24, 31. He vanished out of their sight. Maybe that could be what, what our resurrected form is. It's a new body. It's a new, it's a change. It's completely separate from what we are now. Verse 50, now I say, uh, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's the victory. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall be put on, shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to it, uh, to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That is the victory. That is the change. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy, uh, thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. And you know what? That's because the law is a mirror that shows us that we're sinners. But thanks be to God, which giveth, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then that last verse, Therefore, my brother, beloved brethren, and this is the result of the victory, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What is the result of real victory? What is the result of victory in Jesus? Some of you, maybe you've run a race in your lifetime. Maybe it was when you were younger. When I was younger, I ran, ran some races. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, you, you ran longer races. Maybe I, I, I ran for my track team when I was in middle school and in high school, I ran, uh, some of the longer distance ones. My coach made me one time. It was kind of a crazy thing, but he made me run the 800 meters, which is that's twice around the track, I think. And then he made me run the mile and the two mile all in one meet, right? In, in, in track and field, you don't call it, call it a game. When you go compete against another school, it's not a game. It's a meet. You know, we're going to the meet. Uh, but he, he made me run the 800, the mile, and the two-mile on one. By the time I got to the two-mile, there were guys lapping me. All right? They were coming around, and, and, and I was still on the previous lap. They were coming around on, on the next lap. Uh, but we see this idea of a race. What if you were out in front 
Okay, maybe some of you were like that. You were super fast. Maybe you still are. It's wonderful. Okay, but maybe you're out in front and you're way ahead. And you know what? The distance from you to number two is so far that it just kind of gives you that extra strength, that push to get to that finish line. And you're just excited about it. You get that victory. You get that victory. How much more, though, should we be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? This morning, if you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, if you remember a time in your life when you repented of your sin, you have already won that victory. You've already won that victory. There's, there's nobody behind you. There's, no, there's not a chance of anybody coming up on you. Okay? Uh, back to that race. Maybe in real life, you know, you're, you're running that race and you're running and, and you do. You kind of slow down maybe. You get, you get to, you know, you're getting close to the finish line and maybe there's somebody that's rounding that last lap and they're coming up that last 100 and they have strength in them and that's what their plan was the whole time was to defeat you on that last 100 meters and they overtake you. Listen, this morning, if you have Jesus Christ, if you have victory in Jesus Christ, there's not a chance of anybody coming up on you. It's, it's, not, it's not a thing. It's not going to happen. In, in John chapter 10 and verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Listen, when you know you have the victory... When you're up in front and you know you have it and you got that extra strength and you just push through and you get it because you know you have it. When you know you have the victory, you have power. The result of real victory, the result of victory in Jesus is power to live for Jesus Christ. And verse 58 tells us what we can do with that power. Verse 58 says, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The word steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. The word unmovable means not changed in one's purpose or intention or position. What is abounding? The word abounding is not the same thing as doing. The question, should we be doing the work of the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. But it, the Bible, I mean, the Bible could have used the word doing, but it doesn't use the word doing. It uses the word abounding. It says abounding. M- my friend Webster, he told me uh, about the word abounding too. The word abounding means Providing a great or plentiful quantity or supply. Providing a great or plentiful quantity or supply. What is the work of the Lord? I asked Google. We go to Google, right? Google, y'all go to Google to find out stuff? I go to Google. I went to Google and I said, what is the work of the Lord? I mean, I could, I could tell you. and I just wanted to know what Google had to say. Uh, it said this. It says, noun, God's work, uncountable. Work in accordance with the will of God. Work that accomplishes good. Work that is very important and necessary, especially that which receives little or no recognition or pay. Well, Google doesn't know that we have victory, though, right? Victory in Jesus means there is a change. The change body, our, our, incorruption, our, our incorruption, or I'm sorry, our corruption to incorruption. Uh, and, and that changed body, that resurrected body. The book is called The Warrior Prince by Jerry Ross. It's a part of a four-book series of books for, for preteens and teens uh, called Stay in the Castle. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on several different uh, Christian websites. But the book gives an illustration of the Christian walk. A man comes to the king and, and asks him what he should do. The king tells him to stay on the king's highway. That's straight and narrow. Stay on the king's highway, but go, to, go and search for the dragon. 
All right, which is a picture of the devil. Go to the search out the dragon to destroy him. He searches for over a year. He finally finds four orphans that are in a world of hurt, and he rescues them, and he brings them back to the castle so that they can be taken care of. And here's the exchange that happens uh, between the king and this warrior when he brings the orphans back. The, the king says, did you find the dragon? Did you battle him? The warrior's response, I bowed my head in shame. In that I failed my king. I searched but never found him, never took the battle to him. The king says, you are wrong. He smiled at my confusion. You battled him every day, every act of kindness, every widow helped, good deed done, smile given, soul encouraged. All was a victory against him. Every time you, you told someone of me and helped them believe, you dealt the dragon a terrible blow. Failed? Hardly. You have proven yourself to be a worth warrior. The warrior knelt before him, determined to serve that king all of his life. So what is God's work? The, the, the song says, all my love is due him. Right near the end, all my love is due him. All my love is due him. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. we said it before. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example for living. Jesus gave his life. He healed the sick. He forgave sins. He gave to the hopeless. He fed the poor. Another way to look at it, if you, if you know, maybe some, some of you have read the book about the five love languages. We could, we could talk about that. Jesus uh, had, had uh, the biggest act of service that anybody could ever have in his crucifixion on the cross. What about words of affirmation? Jesus affirms Peter in Matthew 16, 17. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. John the Baptist in Matthew 11. More than a prophet in verse 9. And then in verse 11. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. The centurion in Luke 7. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. There are others. There are others there. But what about quality time? Jesus spent, over, uh, spent three years with his disciple. Peter, James, and John went to that mount of, of, of transfiguration. He spent quality time. What about giving gifts? That's one of my favorites. Amen. All right. Giving gifts. Food. He gave food. That's one of my favorites too. All right. <laughs> um, to the gathering of the 5,000, he gave food to the gathering of 4,000. He gave power and authority to cure diseases and to cast out demons to the 12 disciples. What about physical touch? What about the little children in his arms? And he blessed them in Mark chapter 10. Many healings, many healings that involved touch. This morning, what is the point of all, all of this? We talk about, we're jumping from hymn history, we're talking about victory in Jesus. Eugene Bartlett gave us a strong lyric in victory in Jesus. It's a picture of the Christian life and what to do with it. We can have victory. We can have victory in Jesus. The truth of the song is that we can only have victory in Jesus if we know Jesus. So the question this morning is, do you know Jesus? Jesus said in, in uh, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want that relationship, we're going to have a song in just a minute. And, and I'll be at the front, pastors down front as well. If you want to know more about Jesus Christ, if you want to know more about what eternity might look like for you, if you want to know that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can come down front during that song and we'll take you aside and we'll be able to talk to you about that specifically and share with you from the Bible what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're watching online, you can come and, and you can 
just connect with us somehow. You can put a message in the chat or you can uh, send us an email or, or somehow connect with us, our phone number, uh, on a private message over, over one of those uh, platforms and connect with us and we can connect back with you and talk to you about Jesus Christ and talk to you about what he is and what he means uh, and what you could have in him and the victory that you could have in him. Christian this morning, what are you doing with the power that you have because of the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. The song says all your, of your love is due him. That's what the song says. The Bible says be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We talk about what the work of the Lord is. Is that what you're doing this morning? You have the power. Okay? That's kind of a cliche statement, but you do. You have the power because of your victory in Jesus Christ, because of your salvation in him. You're born again. You have that. You know that for sure. There's nobody on your tail this morning. There's nobody coming up on you. You have the victory. What are you doing with that power? Hey, if you're running that race, you have that extra power to get to the end because you know you have that victory. We have that victory. The victory is the change. But you know what? When you were saved, that victory was sure for you. It was known for you. You knew it was going to happen because uh, you would be in, you'll be in heaven one day. You know of the victory. It is absolutely sure. John, John 10, 28 tells us that. Do you have a Christ-likeness? We talk about these different things, these acts of service, your words of affirmation, quality time, touch, put your hand around, around your brother and, and give him comfort, give him encouragement, give him edification. Uh, are you doing these things this morning? Giving gifts. What is the greatest gift that you possess that you could give to somebody else? It's not money. It's not things. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning... Are you sharing Jesus? That's your greatest gift that you could ever give anybody at all. Just something simple. I, I just wanted to give you something practical. It's something that you can do. There's lots and lots and lots of other things that you can do. But let's be salt and light this morning. If we have Jesus, if we have the victory in Jesus, we can do that. We can do that. We can share Jesus Christ. I don't know who, who clicked on that link. I just want to obey and I want to follow what Jesus Christ tells me to do in my life. The Bible says that we need to be salt and light. Okay? The encouragement to the Christian is this this morning. You have the victory. If you're saved, if you, uh, you have the undeniable promise of heaven. The promise of victory that 1 Corinthians 15 and the song Victory in Jesus speaks about. The victory is the change that is spoken about in verse 51 where it says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So that's the encouragement. And the challenge this morning is to live with the knowledge of victory already won. To live with the knowledge of the victory already won. 